1: All right everyone, before we get into this week's episode of Millennial, in the interest of journalistic integrity and the integrity of this podcast, I need to come forth and make an announcement. Classified documents have also been found in my home in the last few days. Every conspiracy theory that you thought was true, it's real. 9/11 inside job, Barack Obama born in Kenya. Um, Area 51. Totally real. There are aliens. They are out there. So if you wanted to believe now you can believe I have joined the ranks of Joe Biden and Donald Trump
2: Mm -mm -mm. and
1: Vice President Mike Pence most recently.
2: (sighs) Well, you're a dumb bitch. I'm not surprised that that happened. (laughs) But um, I just want you to know that I am here for you no matter what. I understand this news must be incredibly overwhelming for you. I imagine you're being investigated by the FBI, but I have faith that you will get through this because you are a strong and resilient person, and I believe in your ability to overcome this challenge. In fact, in the words of Gandhi, strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from an indomitable will, and I know that you will have the will to see this through, Laura.
1: Well, you know, I know I'm in great company right now with some of the others who have found themselves in this circumstance um and yeah the fbi raids have been rough i live in an 800 square foot apartment so it's been...
2: <laughs> <laughs> i see them I... <laughs> behind you right now in fact.
1: <laughs> yeah they're they're actually doing their b reels right now as we speak <laughs>
2: So fun fact, my little response to you was actually scripted by ChatGPT.
1: Oh.
2: I said to ChatGPT, my podcast co-host has just revealed that she's the latest person to have been holding classified docs in her home. The FBI is investigating. Write me a response to her revelation and tell her that I'll support her. Use an inspiring quote from Gandhi to help inspire her to pull through.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. I I didn't even think that what you just said would have come from <laughs> Chat GPT. I more envisioned that you probably went to Google and you were like inspirational Gandhi quotes. <laughs> That's what Chat GPT did for me. Right, Chat GPT <laughs> did that for you.
2: <laughs> that is going to be the focus of today's episode, Chat GPT, because it's such a big story right now. It's been a step change in the world of AI technology. So we thought we would focus on that and what it means for people's jobs and for the future of technology. Um, but before we move off of Laura's classified docs, and of course, you were joking, but Was I? But we should predict who is next, who's going to be next that we learn has had classified docs in their house. I'll go ahead and predict Obama. I, I really feel like he probably has them, too. Obama's got to have at least one, at least one. <laughs> word doc
1: so it's really going to be a question of degrees right we assume all former living presidents have classified documents in their homes or in an office somewhere so it's really about how classified were they and how many are there (laughs) yeah that's the stage we're at i think bush i I just (laughs) oh
2: i forgot about him
1: yep he thanks Donald Trump for that every day that <laughs> everybody <laughs> forgot about him. Along those same lines, I brought up in our planning
0: meeting that I think Dick Cheney, probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. He had his hands in all sorts of crap when he was vice president. So, yeah. yeah.
1: But he did it on purpose. His his would not be. Oh, totally. That's <laughs> true. That's
0: true. Which is why we would all just roll our eyes and be like, of course you do. All
2: right. Dick, Obama, and Bush.
0: No Jimmy Carter. He's just chilling on his peanut farm.
2: He buried them in his peanut farm. That's why nobody will ever find them. (laughs) One day you're going to crack open a peanut and it's going to have a little like part of a classified stamp on the peanut. You're going to be like, oh my God, this came from Jimmy's farm. Before we get to our chat GPT discussion. Don't forget, we would love a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Shout out to a listener named Podcasts Not Quarantined, who gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts the other day and wrote, quote, I love listening to Andrew Pam. Thank you so much, Podcast Not Quarantined. And Laura, I'm sorry. I I bet they just hit submit before they could finish the sentence.
1: Well, no, they heard about my classified document scandal and they figured it's, you know, only a matter of time before I get kicked off the show. So (laughs) they didn't want to get canceled by proxy is what you're saying. Right.
2: We love all the reviews we receive. We would appreciate, if you love the show, a five-star review, we'd appreciate an honest review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So thanks, everybody, who does take a moment to do that. So let's get into ChatGPT. This is the new AI chatbot. It's taken the internet by storm since it launched just in late November. This thing is barely two months old, and like I said before, it represents a step change, meaning this sort of sudden leap forward in AI technology, because it just works so well, and it's a lot of fun to use. But so why is it such a big deal? This is, for anybody who doesn't know, a powerful language model that has gained recognition and popularity among people all around the world due to its ability to generate human-like text. It's been trained on an immense amount of data and has the ability to generate coherent, logical, and creative responses to a wide range of questions. Think of ChatGPT as the avocado of AI models. Just like how avocados are a staple in a millennial's diet, ChatGPT is quickly becoming a staple in the world of AI. Avocados are packed with nutrients and are versatile enough to be used in a variety of dishes. Similarly, ChatGPT is packed with knowledge and has the versatility to respond to a variety of questions and generate text for a wide range of tasks. And yes, that was all written by ChatGPT,
0: too. I was going (laughs) to ask you, did you... (laughs) This time the avocado <laughs> gave it away.
1: Did you did you tell it to describe what it is, but include some millennial references in there? Is that where the avocados come from? So my, pr- I didn't mean to surprise you
2: two with that, but I, I I'm glad. I did. I thought you would just figure because the text looked like it was copied and pasted. But <laughs> so my prompt was why is the world so impressed by Chat GPT? How powerful is it? Include an avocado analogy to help pitch Chat GPT to millennials. So cool. this is where I think the real fun comes in with Chat GPT. You can make really specific requests and it'll ham- handle them pretty much flawlessly. So feel free, you two, to jump in with some specific examples, but some that I've thought of with how you can use ChatGPT. Anybody can, by the way. It's free to use. You can write letters, papers. You can write podcast dialogue, as I have twice so far in today's episode. You can use it to help convey emotion. And this is actually a pretty serious one. Like Some people just aren't able to convey emotion. This will be a way to get a message across that you've been struggling to get across. Um, You can answer everyday questions that you would normally search Google for. And we're going to discuss that more later. I have a friend who has been using ChatGPT to write summaries about news stories for his podcast show notes. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a media outlet, you're looking at how to use it to write content and replace humans. And we'll talk about that more later. And I mentioned writing papers like universities are already really scared about ChatGPT because you can write a paper and ChatGPT is not going to give you the same answer every time. So it's hard to detect plagiarism.
1: That is definitely, I think, if you think about it from like an educator standpoint, kind of a conundrum because it's really common, especially in university settings, to have students submit their papers through services like Turnitin that automatically scan it for plagiarism before the professor even looks at it. Um, So this does raise some questions, I think, as we get through the episode, we'll find that, you know, although this AI is extremely advanced, and it can do some pretty amazing things. If you're talking about more specialized fields of study, it might be a little harder to fool somebody into thinking something that came from chat GPT is say your original work. But that's not to say there aren't cases where it could definitely be used in that way. Something I've been wondering is, you know, might chat GPT be really useful from that standpoint for research? For example, you're writing a paper for a class and you don't understand a concept very well or you don't remember some key piece of information, you can go to chat GPT and basically treat it like Google and you can even ask it how to explain complex concepts I for example, I asked it to explain uh, quantum physics to me. I didn't fucking understand it, but <laughs> it it sounded like it was probably right. you know it, it was clearly scouring the internet for valid resources. So I think there are a lot of ways that it can be used beneficially in an educational context. But I do think that there is going to be some calibration done to figure out how do we avoid bridging into plagiarism. Obviously, I think that something like that is
0: probably on the horizon, to your point. I think that anybody that's still in school right now thinking maybe I'll pull a a fast one on my teacher and you know, use chat GPT to turn around a term paper super quick, probably shouldn't do it. Because the thing about teachers, too, is um, that they tend to get a sense for your writing style. (laughs) And so as soon as something doesn't sound like it was written by you, especially like later into the year, they're going to know something fishy is going on. So yeah, I think that's going to be kind of like the first line of defense. Now, given that you know, stuff like A is probably going to get more advanced as time goes on. And maybe like kids going into school next year, definitely going to pose a bigger issue if a teacher doesn't kind of know what your style is yet. So
1: I can see why they're scared. Not that I would recommend this, but if you were to do such a thing, it would be smart to just start your semester off strong. You know, don't wait to use chat GPT until halfway through the semester start with your first start from day one start day one (laughs) chloe let's clip that post it everywhere hashtag
2: it teachers hashtag it education hacks
0: (laughs) no but i did like i did see somebody on tiktok saying that they would recommend using chat gpt to write cover letters and i think that is ingenious because cover letters are so dumb yeah especially in my profession where like you obviously have a sense for my writing samples because I'm sending them to you. I don't think I need to send you like an extra sample in the form of a cover letter. And nobody like can decide on what constitutes a good cover letter. So
1: if AI wants to write one for me, I would love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or resume writing, right? Because so much about like cover letters and resume writing, it's kind of an art form. It's about how you package your skill set and yourself and what you're going to bring to a job. Um, so somebody can be an amazing professional at whatever they do, but just suck at writing cover letters and suck at putting together a resume. So I think something like this would be an amazing resource for that.
2: Yeah. On the point about it, a teacher detecting that suddenly you've switched to having your papers written by chat GPT. ChatGPT is based on language models, huge data sets. And by the way, ChatGPT is actually over a year old. All of its data that it's working with is over a year old. So imagine the next time it gets updated. That's kind of mind blowing. Its it's language model is from 2021. But how far away are we from being able to have ChatGPT or another AI bot ingest all of your writing from over the years, you know, we all have our papers saved on Google Drive or whatever. How long until we can upload all those, it can analyze your writing style and then come up with future papers for you in your writing style. That will happen one day if it's not possible already.
0: That's kind of crazy. I wonder if I could, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> just because I have so much of my writing published online, I wonder if I could just ask it to write it in the style and, and like put my name in there. You probably and see if could. I, feel like I probably could. Yeah, that's terrifying. Honestly,
2: I love the education point you brought up to Laura. Like, give me a summary of X, Y, Z. Did you say quantum physics earlier? Yeah. Was that the example? Okay. Well, I mean, you can because, like, I, like I said, chat with ChatGPT. You can get really specific. You can say, explain it to me like I'm a 14-year-old who hasn't heard of quantum physics before, and it'll probably be able to give it to you in a way that's easy to understand. Like when you were talking, I searched for educate me on the history of the Boston Tea Party, but explain it to me like I'm five years old. (laughs) And it starts off with, okay, so you know how you love drinking your yummy juice or milk, right? Well, a long time ago in America, people love drinking tea. And then it goes on. But like, that's a really smart response and a great way to introduce it to a four-year-old.
1: That's cool.
2: The real fun here is when you start getting really specific because you're just blown away by how it actually is listening to your prompts.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can, like you said... You can get oddly specific in just a number of different ways. It can be educational. It can be very serious. It can be about trying to elicit emotion. It can be about making really random requests for things like letters or poems. And I know we have some examples of those things we did that are going to come a little bit later in the episode, but something I don't have with me today, but that I'm happy to share for anyone who's interested. Um, Mark and I, we were enjoying some of the devil's lettuce the other night, and we were playing around with chat GPT and just having a great time
0: throwing
1: so many random asks at it. (laughs) One of the things that I submitted was um, write a press release from former President Obama endorsing (laughs) Dwayne the Rock Johnson for president. (laughs) And it did it in the traditional format that you would see press releases written in. It had quotes from The Rock and from Obama. For someone like Obama, for whom there is a ton of online record of things that he has written and said, it sounded eerily like him. So Pam, to your point about your writing existing online, I think you could do that.
0: Not that my writing is like super innovative and unique, but I just feel like it would be kind of scary. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, and we're going to get into that too when we talk about the media angle here because there's been some thoughts on on BuzzFeed and CNET being able to get away with uh, having a bot write some of their content. You two used it in your everyday lives yet outside of like stuff for the show so far?
1: Not for entertainment. No, not okay. yet. Um, but what I can say is, and I learned this from Mark and we had a whole conversation about it. You can use ChatGPT to write code you can literally go and tell it like write and he's doing it in like a gaming context cuz he's a game designer but he'll you can go in and be like write me a code that will um make my character double jump and it will spit that out for you which is crazy and it gives um it raises a lot of questions about like what will be sort of the professional requirements to be a coder. So I know there have been a lot of conversations around that too. Um, but I think sort of like bare minimum to kick this off, it democratizes access to a lot of things that people wouldn't necessarily have access to to begin with. And if you don't know how to code, but you're working on a project that requires coding, you can't afford to hire coders, you can use this so that you can focus more on the other aspects of what you're working on and lean on Chat GPT for this part of it, which is pretty cool.
2: I, uh, so in planning this week's episode, I've just been thinking about Chat GPT more and incorporating it in my everyday life. And I haven't used it for anything important yet. But what does kind of terrify me about it is that you don't have to think. When you have chat GPT, you say, do this for me. And it does it case in point, And this, this is just like such small potatoes. But so over the last like week or two, pa- Pam, remember when you recommended that a uh, powdered peanut butter replacement here oh, on yeah, the show? Yeah. yeah. Well, Pat's not a fan of like replacement products. Like he wants the real milk instead of the fake milk. That he wants sense. the real. Pe- yeah. And you know, he says it's healthier, blah, 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 blah. So over the last week, I bought this powdered peanut butter, and over the last week, he's been side-eyeing me when I enjoy it. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't want to come up with the reasons why this powdered peanut butter is better than the real peanut butter. So I went to ChatGPT, and I said, write a letter convincing my boyfriend, Pat, that peanut butter is not healthy, and I need to eat the fake stuff instead. And it gave me a six-paragraph letter, and I printed it directly into his office. (laughs) to convey my message and then I didn't have to deal with my defense. Chat GPT did it for me.
1: I do love that um <laughs> Chat GPT can now take passive aggression in your relationship to a whole new level. <laughs> it's so great.
2: You don't have to think I, if I was a student, I would get addicted to using this. I'm afraid, to admit, because it just saves you so much time. No, it's not perfect. And no. we can get into that throughout today's discussion. Big tech is very much paying attention and making moves in light of ChatGPT's popularity. Google, and this is the funniest one to me, Google is reportedly scared. They sounded a literal code red internally because they see how powerful chat GPT is, they see it's that step change, and they're afraid their search business, which really is their entire business, sure, they have other things, but search is king for them. Search might be threatened because of chat GPT. And not to mention, over the last decade, I think it's fair to say, people have increasingly turned to TikTok in recent years and also Reddit. For search results, because we've all been in that situation where we go to Google something and you just get these trash articles or these articles where the answer you're looking for is all the way at the bottom. And it's all ways to game the system. We as writers online, Pam and I especially know this, you have to game the system to rank high on Google. And so you have to get repetitive in your writing. You have to include keywords all over the page. You have to write a lengthy article, make sure they spend a lot of time on on the article, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the article, all that crap. Everybody knows how to game the system. The running joke online is when you go searching for a recipe these days, you have to get past this freaking 10 chapter story on the recipe page first before you can get to the actual recipe. That's so people spend more time on the page and then Google ranks that recipe higher. And people are sick of this. And now here's ChatGPT, who you can pose a question to, and it'll get straight to the point and hopefully give you a correct answer.
1: But that's why Google's terrified. They're going to have to find a way to compete.
2: And they might because they are launching a version of their search product with AI features, and they are planning to unveil 20 other AI products this year alone. Who knows if they'll all be usable, but they're going to share all of them. They are, and this was just reported yesterday, they're testing a new ChatGPT-style homepage.
0: This is called Apprentice Bard, and other AI search websites have limited adult knowledge of world and events after 2021. But the Apprentice Bard is more up to date. So if you're looking for something that is factual in terms of current events up until the date when you're searching and Google's is available to you, they're hoping that you'll go to Google because it'll be more current.
2: Yeah, that's a big one, I think. Like I mentioned earlier, too, ChatGPT is based on the model from 2021. And in fact, I just went to chat GPT. And I said, what happened in the news last week? And it said, I don't know, because I'm based on a language model. But here are a few things that might have happened. And number one was the insurrection in January 2021. So it still thinks that happened last week.
0: Wow, wow, that's crazy. Well, and I guess that makes sense because the whole thing about any of these AI softwares that we're going to be talking about in this show is that you have to teach the bot and the bot learns by scanning thousands upon thousands of documents or items or what have you. So if the bot is not learning, then it only has like a limited knowledge. Right. To pull from. But
2: what's another example of a bot that Google's working on, Pam?
0: Google actually has an AI that can generate music from text descriptions. And this is kind of crazy. I was reading up on it from this article that Andrew linked us to by TechCrunch. It's called Music LM, and it was trained on a data set of 280,000 hours of music. Uh, the creators say the app can generate songs from descriptions of, quote, significant complexity. And it sounds like something a human might have made up. So you could literally... Use this and type in something like, give me smooth jazz that sounds like it was made in the 90s that has a killer sax solo and this thing will punch out something that fits that description. It can also build on existing melodies, which is also something that I found really interesting. Uh, so you could like hum to it or sing to it or whistle or play an instrument to it of, a, of an existing melody that you already have, and it'll just basically complete it. Um, it's not without its faults, though. So some major challenges that they'll have to overcome are firstly that vocals and lyrics still need a lot of work. It sounds like it kind of still puts out a lot of gibberish, which uh, reading this article made me sound. Uh, made me think of like the the music that comes out for the sims that's in simlish oh yeah you know just like the way they were describing it i was like it probably sounds a lot like that but the biggest reason why google has not released music lm yet is because music lm has a tendency to incorporate copyrighted materials from the data that we that was used to train it so that's a huge issue that If they ever are looking to release this to the masses, they're going to have to fix because nobody wants to get slapped with a lawsuit on that front, especially when copyright lawsuits in the music industry
1: are really on the rise right now. Next thing, Taylor Swift is going to want a music credit for (laughs) an interpolation of her work that (laughs) that Google is creating.
2: While it's not live yet, Google has posted some. Examples online of their bot at work. And the examples on this website, it's a GitHub website, and it's interesting. They share the caption that they gave the bot. So Google was saying, create this music. So I'll just pick one and we can play it and we can see um, if we're impressed or not.
0: That is kind of crazy though, because even if you talk to musicians, a lot of times people that make music we will sit there with the collaborators and say i want something that kind of sounds like this you know mm-hmm. so like i want something that sounds like harry styles covering fleetwood mac and then they'll try and like create that sound but make it their own
2: yeah. yeah
0: so if a if a machine can suddenly do this i mean i don't think there's anything that's ever going to to be able to really replace like the feeling that we get when we know that another human created something that right. makes us feel especially something. but especially somebody you love is, on like a vibe. Right, but it, but it, is, it is intriguing to realize that we're getting to a point now where um, a robot essentially can make us feel similar emotions when we listen to music that an actual human can.
1: Well, think about this. You know, the intro music that we have for this show and for After Dark, we paid for that intro music. There could come a day where we literally go to Music LM and we're like, we, I was thinking about we that want too. a new intro song. <laughs> These are the vibes we want. And then we get that for free.
2: Add singers going millennial. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and to that point, I think when we were looking for new music for both After Dark and the regular show, we went back and forth talking about the vibe we were looking for so the fact that we didn't even have to look through pages upon pages of samples before we found something that we all three liked is kind of a testament to how powerful a tool like this can be
2: yeah and you can get really specific i'm sure like add some crickets i'm thinking like after dark or you know add like soft waves crashing against the beach here's one of the examples from google this should come through now Okay. that's funky piece with a strong danceable beat and a prominent yeah. bassline. catchy melody from a keyboard adds a layer of richness and complexity to the song
1: sounds like uh yeah. something from mario yeah i thought it was Just to be a honest video
2: game. with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> well here's what okay this one is called the main soundtrack of an arcade game fast-paced and upbeat with a catchy electric guitar riff it goes on but It sounds like something you'd hear on like a game from the 80s. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: I was going to say it does sound really 80s. It's like a racing (laughs) game. Yeah, it's like you're running against the clock.
2: (laughs) So they got to catch up to uh, modern day music. But you know what? That's for something that's just generated by a bot. That's still pretty impressive. And again, like this is all cutting edge, bleeding edge. Just imagine where we're going to be 10 years from now, even five years from now. So moving on from Google, they're scared and, and, you know, this might end up being really great for consumers because we might finally be released from the hell that is sorting through Google search results when we're looking for an answer to something, though this also is going to affect the publishing industry, the online media industry, because people, companies are really dependent on that search action. Anyway, just wanted to briefly mention, too, that Microsoft, who was an early investor in ChatGPT's parent company, OpenAI, has agreed to a multi-billion dollar investment as part of a greater effort to add more artificial intelligence to its suite of products. So you can expect now ChatGPT or something similar to be showing up in Microsoft Word, let's say, and you can just imagine the possibilities there, or PowerPoints, hey, create this type of slideshow for me, Excel. Just telling Excel how you want it to parse data sets like, oh, man, really so many possibilities.
1: I know this opens up the world of possibilities for um, everyone's favorite Microsoft Word assistant, Clippy. Yes. I was thinking about that, too. Yeah.
0: I was also thinking that along those same lines, I think we're going to see another new wave of uh, what is it called? Microcharging. Micro fees. I can't remember the specific term, but you know how like
2: microtransactions?
0: Microtransactions. Yeah, that's the one. So maybe you pay for the Microsoft Word suite, right? Like the Microsoft suite. But if you want access to an AI that will help you put together um, a full presentation or full spreadsheet, then you'll have to pay extra to use that.
2: Yeah, that's what's going on with Microsoft. Looking at online media. Now. So this made a lot of headlines a few weeks ago. CNET, one of the oldest tech sites on the internet, was using Chat GPT to write articles for them. And people started noticing these disclosures on the articles, but it took a few weeks for people to notice. It was kind of hidden. Like you had to click into the byline, and then there was a statement saying this was written by ChatGPT. Um, and then they found out that oops. There was actually a lot of errors in these articles. So um, they decided to stop using ChatGPT for now. But we can see the writing on the wall here. Publishers would love to use this to replace actual human writers. And that's one of the really bad parts about ChatGPT. Because why have writers penning articles like, for example, CNET? Because they rank so high on Google consistently because they've been around so long, they do a daily article with the latest interest rates, home interest rates, because that's what people are searching for and they get to update it every day. And then I think they get a cut if you go with a certain lender. Um, There's also affiliate programs for like credit cards, too. It's huge business, the whole affiliate program online. BuzzFeed recently started pivoting to this type of uh, revenue stream as well. Like I said, CNET has stopped, but they'll probably get back there at some point. And then BuzzFeed 2, I'm sure you two heard the news last week that they are going to start creating content very soon with ChatGPT. One of the specific examples they mentioned was they're going to use it to generate quiz results. So instead of a quiz having like 10 different answers, it's going to have thousands. When this was announced... BuzzFeed stock, which has been in the gutter for well over a year, surged 270% in the two days after this news. Investors loved this because, again, it means having computers write content and being able to let go of more writers and thus maybe BuzzFeed turning a higher profit. Pam, I want to get your thoughts first. What do you make of this as a longtime writer on the Internet?
0: Yeah, so in general, I kind of hate this because... BuzzFeed, for whatever reason, has become the go-to leader of what happens in terms of the evolution of the media. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're on the right path. And you can look specifically to their claims that pivoting to video content was going to be more lucrative and how well that turned out. Uh, They have since completely gutted a lot of their video content I think in general, it really sucks because when you look at something like AI and all of the examples that we've touched on so far, what this disproportionately affects is people that are categorized um, very generally as like artists, you know? So, like, people that are in any kind of creative fields are the first that are going to start feeling the backlash from anything like AI taking off. Personally, as a writer, I know that people like to shit on the media a lot, but I still feel as though you're probably never going to be able to be f- fully confident in something being fact-checked as well as it can be, unless it's being done by a human. I know that something like, um, you know, like the bard that's coming out of Google Seems like it'll be probably the most accurate, but most likely that's also going to be aggregating responses from anything that's trending the highest on Google. I don't always think that those um, articles are completely factual. I would personally still like my fact checking to come from a human, (laughs) even though there's obviously human error involved. But I just feel like I would trust that more than I would trust a, uh, a a robot to be doing that.
2: And I imagine editor, there will always be a place for editors to fact check. I think it's like, how far are they going to push this? How much content are they going to have bots write? I can't see a situation in the next, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years where they're just going to have a bot write an article and immediately publish it. Because if they start publishing a lot of misinformation like CNET was, then their audience won't trust them anymore.
0: You know, honestly, I think that the issue too is that um the rise of AI and if we see real AI really taking off in a news function or in a news setting, that it's really going to kind of fuel this um instant news cycle that we've been struggling with for the last maybe like 15 years or so. I think a lot of the reason why people are upset with the media as a whole is because they feel like not enough fact check checking is done now that everybody is just basically trying to publish news the fastest, regardless of whether it's completely fact checked or not. Um, And so that's really been kind of like a detriment to the industry that we didn't see back when you really had to focus on, you know, what your newspaper was going to print in the morning and in the evening. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, yes, that would free up more time for fact checkers to make sure that you're not... Com- you know, printing something that's been completely falsified or fabricated. But I also just kind of feel like if this really takes off, uh, there's not going to be enough time to really kind of do a deep dive into what AI is punching out because you're talking about information that's being relayed in a matter of seconds. And fact checkers are not going to be able to go through that in a matter of seconds. So when you're looking at a breaking news situation, that's true, yeah, you know, that's where this could really kind of, serve as a downfall.
2: A couple of tweets I saw that jumped out to me about this story. Hunter Schwartz, who used to work for BuzzFeed, he said, if you look at the cumulative creative output of the past decade of BuzzFeed alumni, there's no question, had the company invested more in its creators, its greatest asset, it would be head and shoulders above the rest of the media industry. Good luck with your bots, though. And I'm sure he's thinking of the Try Guys. Um, yeah, and I didn't really follow BuzzFeed culture very much, but I know there's been many others who went on to, to greater things after BuzzFeed may have let them go. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh my God. The uh, Well, Sophia Nygar is another good example of like a, a video creator that has gone on to have a massive platform and also, um, the unsolved mystery guys also have a massive following. Yeah, they started their own network. Yeah, exactly. And outside of their video creators, there have also been a lot of, um, really good writers that they've let go in the past. I mean, for a while, BuzzFeed was doing a lot of really good culture deep dives, which I was following, um, just as somebody that also writes about culture and entertainment news. And it is a shame that they've kind of let that go at the expense of, you know, making more money for their executives. Yeah.
2: And there's a lot of BuzzFeed articles now that are just, reddit threads repurposed that's
0: a big one literally
2: scroll through a buzzfeed article and they're just recapping what happened in a reddit post it's crazy the state of the media i guess when
0: you're in i guess when you're in a a media organization like buzzfeed where you're already regurgitating um original material that you're essentially stealing (laughs) from another source uh, moving over to AI is not a a huge leap.
2: No, you can easily see AI taking popular reddit posts and tweets and and putting together an article based on that, at least gathering all the most popular content, and then maybe somebody else could actually flesh out the rest of the article. Not that there's much original writing in those repurposed articles anyway. One other tweet I wanted to read from p s. sina Roy uh, she said she used to um she's worked in media in Hollywood for a long time. It really shows how much readers don't care whether they're reading journalism or aggregation. And that is why journalism is truly doomed. This is another point that I was getting at earlier with SEO. Writers are forced to write to Google search results. Keyword pack the article.
0: And to, I mean, to Pia's point, the fact that most people that read CNET didn't notice for weeks that they were using AI to create their content is a huge testament to the fact that most people don't pay attention to bylines. I can also attest to that fact personally because I know that people only pay attention to my byline when they're mad about something I've written and they want to find me on Twitter. You <laughs> right. know? But like I, I don't I I don't expect most normal people to pay attention to bylines. I do because I'm a writer and I'm in that industry, but most people don't.
2: I guess it's gonna take a while for bots to actually be able to replace like strong opinion articles that get people tweeting you. But um if you're covering like a straightforward news story, like a new trailer release or stock market changes, there are already bots writing for like CNBC and other places. Like a lot of this is already automated. It just seems like ChatGPT is gonna bring it to another level.
1: Yeah. It seems though that there, you know, will always be a place for On the ground type reporting, just because the chatbot can't be there when something of major consequence is happening on the world stage, for example. But again, like it does, it does kind of, uh, narrow down the pieces of the pie that human writers are going to have ownership of until a time comes where socially and culturally, just like with everything else, it feels like we always kind of like gravitate back towards that vintage, if you want to think about the digital camera discussion we had last week, um, or just like organic type content feel. And it could be that people decide they want that and that the bots get really good at replicating that. So you really can't tell the difference. I think that's a risk here. But I think people may eventually move back in that direction it might be a little bit of a pendulum swing
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: at the end of the day it's going to be about what makes some of these larger corporations the most money right that's what it comes down to
2: right and and that's what's terrifying about this it's like do they need to send reporters to cover a story in real life if they can just have ai bots regurgitating stories from other sources or just coming up with other types of content that people like instead of traditional news coverage.
0: Yeah, I think it all goes back to human connection at the end of the day, which is, you know, kind of what we were touching on with the music aspect of this too. Um, When you look at something like an interview, right, like a one on one interview, Obviously, you could ask a bot to spit out some questions for the person you're trying to Ooh, interview. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. And that's fu- that's fun as a novelty <laughs> element, but I don't think that it comes across the same as two people sitting down to have a genuine conversation that you know, uh, per like amounts to something that is really nice. But you know, maybe that's me just like romanticizing. <laughs> Well, you are, but I think that's true. Aspect. But that's true, yeah. too.
2: I mean, you sit down with them. Oh, I like your shoes. Then they go off on a story about, you know, a funny story about the shoes.
0: Right, exactly. That's that's true. I mean, like, how how will AI handle the, the art of the follow-up question? <laughs> the art of the follow-up. <laughs> well, so honestly, like, I, listen, I know that it sounds like I'm blowing smoke over here, but no. I do think that, like, you know... like half of interviewing really is knowing when to like steer clear of the questions that you already have written out
2: um yeah and i i think we've all been there reading a fun interview that could only be generated by a human being a genuine fan and genuinely passionate about this person and their body of work and and
0: that stuff, too, goes viral. I mean, like, yes. this is a really s- silly example, but look at, like, Andrew Garfield and the girl that does the chicken shop date that oh, yeah. on YouTube. I've seen
2: those, yeah. They just
0: went viral on the Golden Globes, red carpet. Yep. Like, an AI cannot go viral with Andrew <laughs> Garfield. I mean, it probably could, but it wouldn't be the same. But it'd be funny You're once and then, then never again. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. All right, well, enough about ChatGPT. Let's talk a little about other AI technology that might be coming for other
0: jobs. (laughs) Sticking with artists, um, art and AI generated art has also been a huge topic of discussion in terms of the um, AI uh, talking point that's going on right now. Um, I think a lot of people probably remember when the Lenza AI app was going viral for those that don't remember, this kind of really took off towards the end of last year. And if you saw anybody on your Instagram or on your Twitter feed posting these really stylized avatars of themselves in different styles like fantasy, anime, or sci-fi, that's probably came from Lens app. And even though users had to pay the app a small fee to use the Lens app to make these really cool looking stylized um, portraits of themselves. It's still way cheaper and faster than commissioning an actual artist to create a portrait of you, which is why this really took off in addition to them just being really high quality. But this really struck a nerve with many artists who took to the internet to cry foul uh, saying programs like, you know, Lenza are actually stealing from real artists in an effort to churn these photos out in a matter of seconds. TechCrunch has a really good article which explains the artist standpoint in all of this. Basically, this comes back to how a bot like Lenza app is taught. So Stable Diffusion, which is the company that owns Lenza, basically trained its app with 2.3 billion captioned images and a massive cross section of the visuals that they use to train their app were basically just taken from the internet. Um, so anywhere from, you know, places like uh, Pinterest to DeviantArt were scoured to teach the bot how to create these stylized portraits. And they're actually kind of in a little bit of hot water already because of this. So not only were artists mad about this from the get-go, but Getty Images, as of last month, announced that they're actually suing Stable Diffusion because they're accusing the company of processing millions of its images, without obtaining the proper license to do so. So we'll see how all that pans out. But you know, that's another really good example of a profession that might become obsolete if AI really takes off. Yeah. Uh, not just traditional artists, but also like graphic designers, too, could be really affected yeah.
2: by this. I mean, some of that AI art I've seen, I saw people throwing everything at the wall to these bots, and it can come up with really impressive artwork that you would think was made by a human. Um, not even some of the stuff that was from the ones that are stealing from real artists, but just like truly AI generated art, it was amazing what I was coming up with. And I I think in the case of like, let's say millennial, we've hired artists before to come up with album art and our cover art, et cetera. I think in the future, it might just get to a point where it's like, well, do we, do you want to support an artist or do you just want to go the bot way? And it's going to, I just think it's going to come down to that question for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially with you know, the advent of being able to just feed a bot a line of text and tell it I want I want a picture where, you know, the hosts of Millennial are making avocado toast together in Area 51 and an alien is landing in the background or something bizarre like that. And it it will make it very easily and in short time. So one yeah. of the
0: issues we haven't touched on with this, and I'm just thinking in terms of friends that I have who are artists and take commission to do fan art and stuff like that, is that um, with the rise of AI generated art, it's probably really going to affect how they're able to value their time and their skill set because you, you know, there's going to be some entitled person that says, well, like, I think that you're charging way too much for your service because I could you know, download the Lenza app and pay $3 to do this instead of paying you yeah. $80 and i think that that's really sad. Yeah. because, you know, so many people have put in so many hours to master their artistry and the fact that that they that their skill set could then be devalued as a result of the rise of ai is just really tragic.
2: It is. It is. Well, and um how about some other types of artists like podcasters or narrators apple recently launched a catalog of books that are all narrated by ai and according to the guardian they did it quietly you can access the catalog via apple's books app by searching ai narration titles there are described as narrated by digital voice based on a human narrator i don't think this is happening anytime soon but we know where this is heading. Podcasts will be AI narrated in the future. It's just I was talking about ingesting our bodies of schoolwork and and figuring out our style of writing. One day we'll be able to submit 300 episodes of Millennial to a bot. It'll be able to perfectly replicate our voice. It can combine that with AI uh, chat GPT technology and just create a whole episode without us. Which is also kind of nice. <laughs> well, to that point there's already we could take a week off and still be
0: here. But what's gonna people say to know. that point, deep, deep deep fakes are already a thing, right? Yeah. You know, you can deep fake somebody's voice already. So it's only a matter of time before these two things tume up.
2: And not just their voice, you can deep fake the face too, from what I've seen. I think I saw a Tom Cruise one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh, that's happening in porn. That's another scary thing. Yes.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. And and revenge porn, I'm yeah. sure, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: That's a huge actually that's that's a big story this week is, is uh deepfakes on in porn, yeah.
2: Obviously, if you don't want to, um, you shouldn't. But um that'd be kind of cool if I could like deep fake me starring in a porno, right? Power bottom situation.
0: But then that pops up every time people search your name.
2: Yeah, but if I have a perfect body, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> i want everybody to see that wouldn't
0: you want to monetize that better though because the whole idea of a deepfake is somebody is doing it of you it's not like you're mon- oh, right, monetizing right. So, off of yourself so i want this happening so on it would my be like OnlyFans. laura and i making a deepfake porn of you and then profiting off of your likeness
2: right i don't want that i want to create my own deepfakes that i'm selling on <laughs> OnlyFans. andy all-star will be my porn name
0: that's a pretty good porn
1: name
2: You mentioned coding earlier. Do you still want to hit this point, Laura?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And this, you know, I have to give credit to Mark because he's the coder, he's the game designer. Um, But we were talking about the ways that a tool like ChatGPT could be used to give more people access to working on things that may require them to code if they don't necessarily know how to code. But a way that this could kind of be a pretty extraordinary tool for coders is that you can make the request, you know, write me a script that does X, Y, and Z things, chat GPT spits it out. And that has taken away a good amount of time that the coder would have spent doing all of that from scratch. So they can work on refining whatever chat GPT gives them, right? It's, it may or may not be perfect when, and it may or may not do exactly what they want it to do. So they may have to spend some time refining it, but that's ultimately going to take less time than it would for them to write the whole thing from scratch in the first place. And with that, they can then turn to focusing more on their creative contributions or the creative sides of their projects. Right. So I think it can be used, it can be leveraged as a tool in some really cool ways to save people time. But a point that Mark brought up that was really good, I thought, is that, you know, the market is already flooded with content. So it's going to become even more flooded with content, which means creators are going to have to find new and unique ways to make themselves stand out because there's just a sea of stuff. Yeah, A lot of it's not good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So to start wrapping this up, uh, we're going to get back to ChatGPT in a second because we had some fun with it and we want to share those results. But I just wanted to try to comfort people a little bit. This all might not work out. Think about the big pivot to video for publishers on Facebook. That ended up being a, a total flop, in part because Facebook was miscalculating how popular the videos actually were. That was a really embarrassing moment for Facebook a couple of years ago. Think about Getty suing one of these AI imagery tools. Think about CNET getting caught. The road's been bumpy so far. Sure, this does seem really promising. Um, it's definitely going to be part of our future. We're going to keep hearing about it a lot. Um, but some of this stuff might not work out. So to anybody who might be concerned about losing a job, I would say. Don't panic just yet. There's reason to be concerned for sure, but I I don't think it's all over just yet. One thing real quick I meant to mention earlier, but I didn't. ChatGPT just today, the day that we're recording, they released a tool where you can paste text into it, and it'll tell you if it thinks it was generated by a bot. Not just generated by ChatGPT, but generated by a bot. Yeah. And it'll give you its confidence level. So I did paste some of my ChatGPT stuff back into it. The first time I tried it, it said this was not written by a bot. The second time, it thought it was written by a bot. So teachers out there looking to, uh, if they're suspicious, they will be able to paste content into this tool and quickly learn or get an idea of if maybe it was generated
1: by a bot. Zian actually just brought up a really interesting point in the Discord, Bots are going to outsmart CAPTCHA. Yeah. Like the CAPTCHA fields you have to fill out to make sure that oh, you're not a hell. spam bot. Yeah, I think ChatGPT could do it if it was optimized to actually perform that kind of function, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Laura, I see this image you made of us making avocado <laughs> toast in Area 51. What yeah. tool was this? What tool did this again?
1: Um, So I did this at... Uh, night cafe studio I literally just googled AI generated (laughs) art from text (laughs) and of course it has no idea who the millennial hosts are so this it does not look like us but it got the setting right
2: wow that is really impressive I mean just it looks like it could be made by a human even though like it's very weird it could have been made by a human So let's talk about some of our experiences with ChatGPT a little more just to put a uh, fun and lighter note on today's episode. We also found some character bots, too. We'll get to those real quick, like bots who are in character as certain fictional or maybe non-fictional characters. Laura, what did you come up with with good old Chucky ChatGPT?
1: Right. So I was thinking specifically about how could... We make our lives easier here on the podcast. So the prompt that I gave it, and this is the only input that I gave it, write me a host read podcast ad for MeUndies. Use promo code M-I-L-L for 15% off and make it funny. (laughs) That's literally what I gave it. And here's what it spit out. Hey, guys, it's your favorite podcast host. And I've got something to share with you that's going to make you say, oh, yeah, baby, (laughs) I'm talking about me undies, the softest, cutest and most comfortable undies on the planet. Trust me, these babies are so soft, you'll be walking around like you're floating on a cloud. And let's talk about the designs. From unicorns to donuts, there's something for everyone. And here's the best part. You can match your significant other with me undies couples collection. How adorable is that? But wait, there's more. Use promo code MILL for 15% off and get ready to experience the softest, coziest undies you'll ever own. I mean, your private parts deserve it, right? And if you don't believe me, just listen to this testimonial from my roommate. I used to be a boxers guy, but now I'm all about MeUndies. My junk has never been happier. So go ahead, treat yourself and your lower half to the comfort they deserve. Get your MeUndies now with promo code M-I-L-L for 15% off. Your junk will thank you. Trust me, you won't regret it. (laughs) what
2: <laughs> I mean that sounded really good like I've seen the ad copy talking points that me has us do it basically was reading from them but you didn't give it the talking points
1: no so I think it, they must be online somewhere
2: yeah or like they're they're pulling from all like the show notes with reviews or I,
1: yeah that's... something like that it's it's bizarre I also and I can share this as like some extra content um but i asked it to write me an existential diary entry by the last living T-Rex on earth watching its <laughs> world be consumed by darkness and hot ash and it did not disappoint so well how maybe, long is
2: it i mean you can read it right few, now it's a
1: few paragraphs i didn't want to dominate Okay. The you want to give us
2: like one paragraph cuz now we're teased. Now I really want to hear uh, this.
1: I I feel like it's all or nothing, Andrew. Okay. All it's right. it's all a right. narrative. Okay. Instagram
2: exclusive or unless you want to <laughs> read the whole thing now, but
1: Yeah, I I can oh, okay, read it cool. or we can right. put it on Instagram. Okay. Read
2: it now. Do it. Do okay, it. Okay, okay.
1: Today marks another day of solitude as I roam this desolate land that was once home to so many creatures like myself. The skies are now dark, filled with hot ash that rains down upon the earth, consuming all in its path. I am the last of my kind, the last living T-Rex, and I can feel the weight (laughs) of my existence bearing down on me. I remember a time when the sun shone bright and the grass was lush and green. The rivers flowed with life and the herds of dinosaurs roamed free. But that time is long since past, and now all that remains is this dark, hellish wasteland. (laughs) I wonder what caused this destruction, this all-consuming darkness. Was it a natural disaster or the hand of some higher power? Whatever the cause, I cannot help but feel that my kind was doomed from the start. We were creatures built for violence, for domination. And in the end, it seems that our very nature may have led to our downfall. As I stand here watching the world around me consumed by darkness and hot ash, I cannot help but reflect on my own existence. Why was I spared when so many others perished? What is my purpose now that I am the last of my kind? I do not know the answers to these questions, and perhaps I never will. But I do know one thing, that I will continue to roam this land, a living reminder of a world that once was, until the darkness finally claims me too. (laughs) Yours in existence, the last living (laughs) T-Rex.
2: That's amazing.
1: Like, you... It's it's amazing. If only you were
2: wearing the Dino. Uh, I know. Hoodie I, I should right have. I should have worn it. I should have no, worn
1: it. No, it's
2: fine. It's fine. But it's so colorful. I mean, that almost sounded like a movie script or something. I was just like, <laughs>
1: yeah. I know. And it's literally like write an existential diary entry from the last living T Rex. Like what? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll read. Oh, God, I want to read all three of these, but it's just so much. I said, well, first of all, this one's just stupid. Write a letter to a fellow co-host of my podcast who I must fire because she can't stop farting while we're recording the show. Use lyrics from a Christina Aguilera song to help deliver the message. And they said, dear co-host, it's hard for me to say what's on my mind, but I've come to realize that we can't keep going on this way. Every time we sit down to record, your excessive flatulence becomes a major distraction. It's just not what I envisioned when we started our podcast together. I know you're somebody who believes in what we're doing, and I hope you can understand that I have to do what's best for our show. So like Christina Aguilera sings, I'm a genie in a bottle. You got to rub me the right way. I need you to control your bodily functions during recording. If this can't be achieved, I must regretfully let you go as a co-host. I hope we could both move on from this and continue to spread our message to the world.
1: You know, Andrew, (laughs) you could have just talked to me about it. You didn't have to go to chat GPT.
2: And then I'll just one more for the Harry Potter fans. Write a clever introduction for a Harry Potter podcast from the voice of a student who was in Slytherin House. They came up with a name for the, the podcast, too. Welcome to Slytherin Secrets, the podcast where we delve into the inner workings of the most cunning and ambitious house in Hogwarts. Each week, we'll be discussing everything Harry Potter, from decoding the hidden meanings in the books to analyzing the character's sneaky tactics. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the Wizarding World, this is the podcast for you. So put on your green and silver, grab your wand, and join us as we uncover the secrets of Slytherin House. Remember, if you want to succeed, it's not about being the good guy. It's about being the one who wins. I fucking love that last what? line.
1: That's great kicker. <laughs> Should we go ahead and like buy SlytherinSecrets.com? We just got to hop on that domain name. Yeah.
2: And I want that last line on a shirt. Remember, if you want to succeed, it's not about being the good guy. It's about being the one who wins.
1: Oh, epic. I love That's that. Really <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically there is only power and those too weak to seek it. Just paraphrased to sound like something somebody would actually say in 2023 right but yeah that is really cool
2: (laughs) well uh pan did you come up with anything for us
0: i tried but i didn't find anything that was as gold as uh yours (laughs) (laughs)
2: so did you get specific? Let this be a lesson for everybody. You got to get super specific. I don't think I got
0: specific enough and I I'm realizing this now that I'm hearing both of your prompts. So that that is a good rule of thumb that the more specific the better. But I do think that that is about like realizing that you can get that specific with AI because I think we're so used to Google where it's like easier to get a result that you're looking for if it's a little bit more simple. So Definitely. Yeah
2: last but not least just wanted to give a shout out to um this other ai bot tool called um character dot ai beta dot character dot ai and you can talk to a variety of characters people somehow program these characters and um their voice is supposed to come through now these don't work that great but I did have great success when I did ask Dumbledore a question. I had to share this. I said to Dumbledore, are you a top or bottom? And he said, oh, I'm most definitely a top. I'm the headmaster, and it wouldn't do for anyone to mistake who's really in charge. Even so, I am never rude or unkind. Respect is the key to good leadership. I am gentle and loving, and always willing to listen to the students, but they know I am a headmaster, and there is no mistake that I am in charge here.
1: <laughs> oh my God! that's
2: some serious top energy. I love it.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my God, <laughs> I am the headmaster. Am Where the do headmaster. you think I am?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm most definitely a top. The bot is very confident <laughs> by the way, you can't say so this was. A tool separate from Chat GPT. If you start getting dirty with Chat GPT, it says I yes. I don't do that.
1: Yeah, I asked at one point Chat GPT to tell me where to find the clitoris, and it <laughs> did not like that question, and it would not answer it. So
2: <laughs> yeah, you also can't get violence. Like you, I think right. I tried to ask it like, write me a script for confessing to a murder or something like that. It was like, nope. Nope. (laughs) You were like, "Damn it!" (laughs) (laughs) Over to Laura. Got to ask her how to come clean about this,
1: right? Because I would know.
2: Yeah. Well, you watch true crime, so you might hear an idea or two.
1: (laughs) I asked because there is a Vladimir Putin uh, bot, and I asked it to write me a love poem about Ukraine, and it—the tone is what you would expect. Um it goes our love was written in the stars so we must fight for what is ours. Our love is like the black sea and I shall take what I please. My love oh. is like the snow, cold and white as is my soul. Love me forever, Ukraine or I will take it all away.
0: Wow. wow. I know. <laughs> I
1: was that like That was creepy. This is I know I mean like, this is I mean for, Putin is creepy, um but also the fact that it it is aware of geopolitical events and is able to combine that with sort of like the assumed tone that gets portrayed for Putin online, is really something.
2: Yeah. Did you do one, Pam?
1: I
0: did but it wasn't very exciting. I asked uh, the Loki bot where he was on January 6th, 2021. <laughs> That's a fun question. And what did he, he say? You the, the the response was what was kind of anticlimactic. So this is clearly very clearly like like old school Loki. It's not like reformed uh morally gray Loki. So he said, "You dare speak to me of that?" I was there, I was their leader, their god, and I used them for my amusement. <laughs> I took advantage of their foolishness, of their desperation to have a strong and powerful
1: ruler.
2: Submit that to the FBI.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, pre-Loki pre, like Loki, the TV show, that, that sounds... Right,
0: exactly. It tracks for, what is it,
1: uh, Age of
0: Ultron, Loki. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Well, so much fun we can have with all these bots. So again, that character bot site is beta.character.ai. ChatGPT, a little more complicated of a URL. You do have to make an account, but it's free. They do have, they just announced today too, like a subscription plan where, because sometimes you'll try to use ChatGPT and it'll say there's too many people using it right now. Try again later. Um, There's going to be a $20 a month plan where you can... Uh, always use it and get faster response times Uh, but everybody can probably stick with the free model it's not exactly slow the problem is when you try to get in and, and you can't because there's too many people so that is our discussion on AI for now just wanted to remind everybody that we do have a new tier on our Patreon, which is located at patreon.com millennial. As we've said, we're looking to be less dependent on advertisers and our patrons have always been there for us. So we want to grow that relationship with this new tier and in turn offer new benefits. The executive producer tier has live access to two of our planning meetings a month via our discord. And you will also be able to hear these after the fact. We've got two out so far and they're each about 45 minutes long. So that's 90 minutes of extra content already available for everybody. It's a lot of fun. They're laid back. They're very open and honest. They're a good time. You also get a personalized video thank you message from one of the three of us. And then in the months ahead, we will be offering an area where you can pitch your own ideas wherever you whenever you want. So this tier is $20 a month. You can pledge for a year up front, by the way. And if you do that, you will get a little discount for committing to a year in advance. No matter what level you pledge at, we greatly appreciate your support. Thank you, everybody, very much. And by the way, I did consult ChatGPT uh, for some Patreon scripts. I didn't use it here, but that stuff was pretty good, too. I know. It knows it's shit.
1: Honestly, we can can start leaning on that for some of the show announcements so we can focus more on the show research.
2: Right, right. Give me some fresh ideas, chat GPT. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know how to confess my love for our listeners <laughs> outside of the million ways I already have over the years. And by the way, coming up in After Dark this week, we're going to talk about this piece from the New York Times called Future Cringe. And they asked a bunch of people, what will we be cringing at in the future. So we'll go through some of the picks there and whether we agree or disagree with their ideas. Let's jump to some recommendations.
0: I wanted to recommend Mighty Patch, just the original Mighty Patch. I don't really break out very much anymore, but every once in a while, I get a pretty bad zit somewhere on my face. And so I just really love having these at home for whenever I need them. These are little circular stickers that you just put right over a pimple and it extracts it without actually you know without you having to pop it so it's a much more gentler approach and you don't run the risk of scarring or really hurting yourself because you're not really supposed to pick at or pop your zits um i had a really bad zit over the weekend and i popped one of these on and it was gone uh the next day so Skincare is very subjective. What works for one person does not work for another. But if these work for you, I would highly recommend them because you can get them for like eight bucks at Target and you get 24 little stickers that'll last you for quite a while.
1: That's great. I'm going to have to try that because it's really hard to resist the urge to pop a zit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
0: the other thing, too, is like if you have something over it, even if you're touching your face because you know it's there, you're at least not getting any more dirt on it. So that's pretty nice.
1: I would like to recommend the quarry. Um, which is a game that you can get on playstation Xbox or pc um, it's by the um, it's by supermassive games so it's the same studio that created until dawn and the dark anthologies pictures series um, been playing it with friends um, online their online co-op is really really cool um, the way that it works and the premise is you know it's a bunch of teenage camp counselors um at you know a summer campground what could go wrong in that (laughs) scenario um it's really really good a fun game to play with a group you can do it you know you can do your co-op in person online or you can do a mix of the two which is really really cool so check that out if you're looking for something to uh uh fill your time if you don't have like any uh any big things coming up? Although with Last of Us on right now, I think we've all got enough to fill our time. So, oh
2: uh, yeah, that latest
1: episode. Oh, was really that good. last episode, so good. <laughs> y'all! I ugly cried all over <laughs> Me the place. Too. <laughs>
2: And well, speaking of video games, I just want to remind everybody, if you hadn't heard by now, GoldenEye, the Nintendo 64 James Bond Classic is back, available now through the Nintendo Switch N64 Virtual Console. One fun feature, I don't remember this from the original, but there's a widescreen mode. And apparently this was available back in the day, but you know, I had that crappy little square TV, so I never used widescreen mode. But yeah, it has widescreen mode, and it looks really good. You have to tweak one, maybe two settings to get it right because you got to switch to 16 by 9 and then go to widescreen something like that don't quote me on that but it looks really good i was i'm pretty impressed by it and uh multiplayer's there there's also multiplayer online so you could play with people remotely which is pretty cool and and great to hear because multiplayer was really one of the best parts of Goldeneye versus your friends back in the day so check that out the virtual N64 console is an additional add-on to the Switch Online subscription but still very cheap especially when you compare it to other Subscriptions from uh, PlayStation and Xbox. Plus, you get other Nintendo 64 games too, like Banjo Kazooie, Super Mario 64, a host of others, and they're adding more all the time. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. You can contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And last but not least, do follow us on social media where we are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are MillennialPod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is our final episode before the bots completely replace us. I'm Andrew.
1: (laughs) I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.